Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. Welcome to Switched on Pop. I'm songwriter Charlie Harding. And I'm musicologist Nate Sloan. And we're incredibly happy to be joined by Brittany Luce, who is a writer and editor and also the co-host of the acclaimed podcast for Color Nerds. Welcome, Brittany. Woo! Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. And it's for a really fun episode because, well, sad episode? I don't know. <laughs> how, how should I frame it? You know, this fall, there has been a confluence of mega breakup records from Casey Musgraves, Lana Del Rey, Summer Walker, Adele, Mitski. I'd even throw Bruno Mars and Anderson Pock's supergroup Silk Sonic into the mix. And of course, Taylor Swift has stormed the press with her re-recording of her hit album Red mm. and the 10-minute version of the fan favorite song All Too Well. Folks have been calling this confluence of releases Sad Girl Autumn. Brittany, could you help out my internet illiterate colleague over here and help us explain this meme? <laughs> Please. Sure, sure. Um, so Sad Girl Autumn is like a play on the phrase popularized by Megan Thee Stallion, Hot Girl Summer. I think that uh, obviously Sad Girl Autumn is kind of encapsulating this like fresh round of breakup records and heartbreak records that have been released uh, by so many major artists this fall. But I think it also like on a more emotional real world level kind of speaks to the disappointment of an unfulfilled hot girl summer. I think that like this past summer, 2021, is uh, what many people, at least in the United States, thought of as, you know, a great reopening. Right. And I think for a variety of reasons that just didn't pan out for everybody the way that they hoped and so I think that it's kind of interesting that there's like this musical, like Sad Girl Autumn, that is kind of hitting upon like a real Sad Girl Autumn that I think mm, a lot of us are mm. feeling in real life. I wish I had like a happier explanation for it, yeah. <laughs> but I think that's just the truth. That's what I'm saying. I love this topic because the music is great, but yeah, the subject is super real. Dr. Guy Wench, the author of How to Fix a Broken Heart, put it, especially well in his widely viewed TED Talk. Heartbreak creates such dramatic emotional pain, our mind tells us the cause must be equally dramatic. And that gut instinct is so mm. powerful, it can make even the most reasonable and measured of us come up with mysteries and conspiracy theories where none exist. And he has a European accent, so I automatically <laughs> assume what he's saying is accurate. It's giving Freud... For real, though, Dr. Wedge explains that heartbreak registers as actual physical pain and can even mimic withdrawal symptoms. It sucks. But he does offer a way out. In his writing, he says it's especially important not to ruminate or idealize past lovers. If you want to fix a broken heart, the proven methods are, one, to distract yourself, two, to reframe the past relationship, like see it for what it really was, 
And three, the most effective is negative reappraisal. Like just reframe your past lover in a negative way. It actually helps. And what I want to do together is maybe create our own very non-medical, totally subjective diagnoses of these works, not the singers, but the songs to think about how are they expressing heartbreak and are they actually helping us move on? I am so down. I love this. Okay. So let's begin with Taylor Swift's All Too Well. It's the re-recording of her album Red, right? She's trying to regain all of the master rights to all of her recordings, which were sold without her permission. Mm -hmm. It's her second re-recorded album. It's the crossover record that I think is what made me fall in love with Taylor. And the song All Too Well has created immense buzz because she has put out this 10-minute version of the song. I don't know about you all, but I'm hearing a lot of both rumination, but also negative reappraisal. I'm curious for you, Brittany, how does this song register heartbreak for you? I am not the most knowledgeable Taylor Swift listener, but I had actually never heard this song before this week to prepare for this episode. And it was interesting because I decided to listen to them in chronological order. I listened to the the first version that she did back when she Mm -hmm. was much younger, I think like 22 or 21 or something like that when Red Mm -hmm. originally came out. And then I listened to like the her new version, 10 minute version. And I also watched the short film. Way to do your homework, Brittany. Oh, yeah, I did my homework. And the, the lyrics, I think, obviously speak to uh, looking back. You know, she says, I remember it all too well. Like it's something that happened a long time ago, but the immediacy of the feelings still feels fresh, it sounds like to Taylor. But what's interesting about the most recent recording, Taylor's version, especially the 10 minute version, is that the arrangement and the way in which she sings it, I love like the idea of her being in her 30s now and thinking about the relationship completely differently. There's sort of like the reappraisal that you need yeah. to do in the aftermath of a breakup. But like what she's doing with this most recent version is like a reappraisal of the feelings that she had at in her back in her early 20s or in her late mm. teens. Because the whole thing is that she was dating like Jake Gyllenhaal, right? That's the... That's the prevailing narrative. She was dating Jake Gyllenhaal, who's far too right. old to be dating her at that point in time. Mm-hmm. And it was a mismatch. I think they probably, it sounds like from what I could see on the internet, they dated for like maybe six to eight weeks, which in her defense at that age, big deal. But it's, I don't know. I like listening to the newest version because it's imbued with so much more maturity. I think the lyrics are nice. The melody is pretty. The performance is nice. But the newest version really blew me away with just, all of the layers of emotional reflection that were baked in. Hearing your description of it, Brittany, makes me think about how much detail there is in these lyrics. That's one of the things that really strikes me, the specificity mm. of the memory and the imagery. Like in the clip we just heard, you know, dancing in the the refrigerator light, dancing in the glow of the refrigerator light. Mm-hmm. Like that kind of detail belies the fact that it was such a short, relationship and communicate something i think intrinsic about heartbreak that doesn't really matter you know how long you were with someone yeah that feeling of loss is going to be just as acute yeah nate i also picked up on the imagery that swift uses on this song and it's something that when i first heard the record 
the red scarf narrative for me was such a kicker. It's a very sort of country style where we actually follow an entire story, but it's being done with an inanimate object, right? Mm. So at the beginning of the song, we hear about the red scarf. I walked to the door with you. The air was cold, but something about it felt like home somehow. And I left my scarf there at your sister's house, and you still got it in your drawer even now. That could be a throwaway line because mm-hmm. then we go through the entire narrative of mm-hmm. the relationship and a lot of breakup. So many great metaphors, mm. the crumpled up piece of paper. It's like she's a song that she wrote that she threw out. Mm. Beautiful. And yet we come back all the way around to the red scarf that should have just been a passing detail. And in fact, that's the punchline to the whole song. But you keep my old scarf from that very first week because it reminds you And that's sort of the arc of the original song. But Brittany, to your point, that there's a maturity in this version, we get a whole new section that isn't in the original, this outro that in her short film shifts time from the past into the present. Mm -hmm. And so we get to hear all of Taylor's current thoughts. All the angsty drums fade out. And I was never good at telling jokes, but the punchline goes, I'll get older, but your lovers stay my age. Production even feels more contemporary. <laughs> yes. My skin and bones, I'm a soldier who's returning half her way. And then there's this extremely long fade out of choruses of Taylor Swift. Musically, I feel like we're getting that sense of having moved on mm-hmm. in that it actually sounds more like her current records, Folklore and Evermore, yeah. in the production. It's that tame acoustic sound with some synthetic things, voice-centered, very confident, very minimalist kind of production. One of the things that I felt with the additional lyrics and also the change in production with this new song, it also reminded me a lot of her newer albums. It now seems very apparent that she is very hesitant to talk about her relationships and her music or her central romantic relationship now with Joe Alwyn, her boyfriend of a few years. So she's kind of moved toward basically almost singing like yeah, these songs that are always about like they're typically about like fictional right. uh situations or imagined situations mm-hmm. or you know um, historic situations exactly yeah. or historic situations they're not necessarily centered around her what's interesting is that like i think that when i've listened to her earliest version i didn't like that version 
because I felt like I was listening to a child talk to me about child problems. I was like, girl, <laughs> I'm 34. I don't want to hear about this. Like, it reminded me, I think, of a common critique of Taylor Swift's music from maybe people who haven't listened to it as much. Maybe I didn't like the delivery of the song from 2012, but her singing it at the age she is now with a similar distance that you experience when listening to the songs from Folklore Evermore, when she's singing about these imagined situations, it gave me a similar thrill. So pulling back, yeah. how do we want to diagnose, what kind of heartbreak is this song representing? Can we label it something? I haven't experienced heartbreak in like seven years. Um, Congratulations. <laughs> it hurts. Yeah, um, yeah I remember Same. it sucking really bad. But I haven't experienced romantic heartbreak, I should say, in like, in like right. uh, going on seven years. But I still sometimes get like a pang of memory or remembrance of like a heartbreak that I felt when I was much younger. And... I don't know. Maybe I'll have a new life experience and I don't know, like a memory of a conversation I had from seven or eight years ago comes back and it Mm. stings fresh (laughs) in a weird way. It's like a walk down like a really thorny memory lane that I think even if you haven't experienced heartbreak recently, it's the kind I think anybody, even if you're in a happy relationship now, anybody can call can call back to it. It's like (laughs) heartbreak in the rear view. Oh, I love that. Heartbreak in the rear view. (laughs) Hindsight heartbreak. Hindsight heartbreak, actually. Hindsight heartbreak. I like it. All right. So we got hindsight heartbreak. Moving on to our next song. We've got Summer Walker's Throw It Away. Summer Walker is a R&B singer who just tied Taylor Swift for a Billboard record of having 18 songs on the Hot 100 at the same time. From her album, Still Over It. Let's listen to the song, Throw It Away. What people can't see right now is that Nate is doing his stank face. Uh, Nate, what are you feeling? When I listen to this song, I'm aware that the lyrics are communicating a certain degree of grief and resignation, but there is something about this beat and the instrumentation that I cannot help just like rocking my whole body. This is so true. I mean, we'll have to diagnose it together, but this is clearly going to represent a different breed of heartbreak, this song. Absolutely. I mean, we've got electric pianos. 808 drums, big thick bass. This sounds more like baby making music than it does like heartbreak music. It's kind of confusing. Brittany, how did it register for you? It is totally confusing. I felt like this song, like especially the lyrics, they felt so much like she's singing to her lover, but she's also kind of, I think, saying it just as much for herself, (laughs) if that makes sense. You know, like when you break up with somebody and you know you want to go back, like what the guy was saying, you feel it in your spirit, like, It's basically like withdrawal symptoms and you kind of have to sometimes have a, well, sometimes we like give in, right? Sometimes I Mm. think we give in, but in especially egregious situations, or at least when we have our wits about ourselves, you kind of want to have a, just a a convo with yourself and be like, don't do it. This person does not care about you. This person does not want Mm -hmm. you. I feel like what we're hearing in the song is like, it's groovy, but she's also like basically don't forget, like I'm saying to you, how are you going to throw this away? I'm mad. She says like she's been taking on all this baggage. Like this person had her thinking that she was average. 
it sounds like this is a person who is either just coming to the realization that like the love she thought was going to be fine is just not going to work. Or also a person who is turning that question on her lover, but also like kind of saying for herself, like, we're not going to go back through that door. That sounds a lot like negative reappraisal. Did I get that right, Charlie? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) But it's happening at a moment of confusion, I think. Mm. As Brittany put it, it's like, this is the, the, the moment of realization to a certain degree. And I think we can hear that reflected in the music because the music is romantic. I've been taking on all this baggage, adding on so much weight. Had me thinking that I was average when you're really to blame. How you gonna throw it away? This is very sexy R&B music. Yeah. It's like the music is still in the relationship, but the lyric is moving on. And I really like that tension. Mm. So hmm. perfectly put. Okay. So what kind of heartbreak song is this for us? It's kind of on the fence to me. It's kind of like on the fence heartbreak. Like maybe emotionally, summer's done. Physically, maybe we're going to go back for seconds or thirds. But emotionally, <laughs> she's out the door. Because I, like you said, the lyrics are saying one thing, but the music is is in a different place. Mm. Right. Very different place in time. So we've had hindsight heartbreak. Now we have on the fence heartbreak. Halfway heartbreak. <laughs> Halfway heartbreak. Halfway heartbreak. Look, I'm always going to find some alliteration for us. Yes. <laughs> Our next song takes a very different spin on heartbreak. It's coming from Silk Sonic, right? The supergroup of Bruno Mars and Anderson Pock. They have a dedicated vintage 70s soul sound. Nine months ago, they released Leave the Door Open, which we broke down extensively on the show when it was released. Their record, An Evening with Silk Sonic, introduced by funk hero Bootsy Collins, leads us through all kinds of parts of romance, including heartbreak on their song, Put on a Smile. Oh, boy. Mm. Bruno Mars needs to do some serious reframing, I think. Say more, Nate. (laughs) Please. (laughs) Forgive me if I'm misquoting Dr. Winch, but I remember that being the first of his, uh, you know, heartbreak cures, right? Reframing the relationship. Did I get that right? Yeah. This guy's ruminating. Yeah. Here's a heartbreak song where the climactic lyric is the only thing worth smiling for is you. Like... (laughs) <laughs> this dude needs to reframe his priorities a little bit. And and I mean, and at the same time, I can't help but be swept away by the vulnerability and the emotion here. I find it very relatable. Oh, <laughs> I'm actually glad you bring up the vulnerability and the emotion here. I mean, I think that like something that you hear in the style of music is like calling back to like a lot of those like 60s and 70s R&B groups, specifically This song made me think of two songs by The Miracles, um, which is a Motown group fronted by Smokey Robinson, who I adore. Tracks of My Tears and Tears of a Clown. The 
the idea that like they're like you're putting you're trying to put on a brave face, but literally inside you feel like dying, <laughs> which is something that comes up in the song. I guess like different than um the 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 Summer Walker song, like the style of music and the lyrics are perfectly in step to me with this. Like obviously mm, right. it has a little bit of that upbeat showmanship angle that feels kind of old school in a James Brown way. Uh, so it's not like necessarily a song that you would cry to, but it does have that sort of old school vulnerability, that old school polish and those really dramatic old school lyrics, which I think, you know, many people have said can or is often missing from the male R&B singers of today. There's a mm-hmm. lot of focus on maybe relationships, but more in the vein of like, um, like sex and getting the woman to submit to you. But mm-hmm. like, this is pretty much like, I need you to live. Yeah. And like, yeah. I love that. That, that, if you want to get my attention, I need you to live. That's working for me. Yeah. Musically, one of the things that I'm hearing they're doing is it almost feels like you're getting some condolences from a friend because they're telling us to put on a smile. And there's a way in which the harmonies after each time they say put on a smile, mm. they, they look like an actual physical smile. They ascend like mm. a smile. Whoa, Right. It's like he's trying to fight back those tears, but there's this call and response where the backup singers are like, no, 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 no. Put on a smile and then put on a smile. Put on a smile. Like it's actually curving upwards as they sing those lyrics. That's pretty hip, Charles. That is. That's And it's only better that it moves into a very 70s kind of musical move. It modulates up a step almost as if to elevate your mood. We're smiling now, right? (laughs) It's like, it's kind of what Guy Winch was saying about the emotional confusion that we feel in heartbreak that somehow it almost feels like the music is smiling Mm. just a little bit. It's like, it's cheering us up even when it's stuck in the past. It's feeling both emotions at the same time. You Mm. know, now that you bring up the music um, and I listened to that last clip a little bit harder, I noticed the bass and just how much the bass is doing in, in this song. And how much energy it kind of gives it. Like you said, like we were all smiling mm. listening to it. I think that some of that is coming from the energetic instrumentation. Very much so. Okay, so now that we're all smiling through heartbreak, <laughs> how are we going to diagnose this one? What are we calling this kind of heartbreak? I don't know, Nate. I'm going to go with you because like you, your, your alliteration right now is 2-0. and oh. Don't fail us now. Don't fail us. Smiling through tears, heartbreak. Wow. Okay. Not the response I was hoping for. Let me get you want you want an alliteration. Okay. Okay. I can I can deliver. It's a. Uh, You're about to make this a hung, writing dictionary. This is it's funny. a hung up, hung up on you heartbreak. All right. There we go. You did it. You know. That's it. That's it. Done. <laughs> We're gonna run out of H words pretty soon. <laughs> With that, let's take a short break. When we come back, we're gonna listen to. My favorite picks of Heartbreak Anthems. See you on the other side.
Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. We have been tasting a sample platter of heartbreak in the first half of the episode, digging into a little bit of hindsight heartbreak on Taylor Swift's All Too Well, some halfway heartbreak on Summer Walker's Throw It Away, and some hung up on you heartbreak in Silk Sonic's Put On A Smile. Charlie, what's next? What other flavors of heartbreak are we going to try? Well, I want to actually kind of flip the script here because Mitski, indie songwriter, who's known for combining indie songwriter sounds with a pop sensibility, has this new record called The Only Heartbreaker that takes on heartbreak from a different angle. Brittany, when you heard this Mitski song, The Only Heartbreaker, what was your response? Mm, I just loved it. I It gave me everything that I want from Mitski, which is like speaking directly to my loneliness. And it's kind of interesting because her voice has kind of like an echoey vibe on a lot of the song that like she's the only heartbreaker. I'm like, girl, yeah, you are in a room by yourself with no furniture and no carpet. Mm. And then on the <laughs> other hand, also too, self-flagellating lyrics. And that's what I come to Mitski for, loneliness and self-flagellating lyrics. My girl's back, and I'm so happy. There's something so inventive and surprising about the idea of preparing yourself to avoid heartbreak by being the one who breaks the heart. Yeah. And yet, in that idea, there's also, it communicates so much experience of heartbreak because you're like, I've learned from the past and something about the the deeply 80s accompaniment of this song yeah. with its driving program drums and its lush synthesizer landscape makes me feel like this is someone who is determined to flip the script. Mm. There's determination in there. I also hear a lot of angst. Like as much as there's the confidence of I'm going to be the heartbreaker, it feels like the song is almost five BPM too fast. Like you're almost trying to catch up to the mm -hmm. beat. And when she's singing, I'll be the only heartbreaker, there's these counter melodies, which are kind of dissonant and lack that confidence that she has in her voice. So I feel like it's another example where there's this interplay between the lyric and the music where they're actually not resonating with each other. One of them is being untruthful to the other. Mm. And that feels like what's going on in the situation of heartbreak. Mm. You know, also, it kind of makes me think about like being the only heartbreaker, like being the person to assume the blame, being the person to, to like, just take all the heat for why something didn't work out. 
it kind of reminds me of like what it feels like when you're in a really like a very one-sided relationship where you have to be the person to metabolize everything. And, and that lyrically reminds me a lot of another heartbreak song that I love, Extraordinary Machine by Fiona Apple. Be kind to me <laughs> or treat yeah. me mean. I'll make the most of it. I'm an extraordinary machine. I'll be the only heartbreaker, like either because you can't handle it or because you don't care anymore or you're too weak. And maybe I'm weak too, but you're weaker. I think there's like, there's a lack of confidence there that could be speaking to feeling as if you're the only person in a relationship who still cares. Yeah. I don't know if we need to get poetic on this one. What do we call it though? Preemptive heartbreak. Mm, that's a good one. Ooh. Yeah. I don't know how many. Someone else has to say, I don't know how many more of these I have in me. Just, just <laughs> look, you're, look, you're, doing, you're doing good. I'm not going to mess with perfection. <laughs> no, I'll happily eat up all the heartbreak in, in the room, you know, just get, I'll, I'll be that. I'll be that assimilator, you know, that, that metabolizer. So bring it on. <laughs> <laughs> you know there really are so many different flavors of heartbreak it's actually one of the most popular kind of song according to a 2014 study in the journal of advertising research breakup songs are the most successful in pop music of all the themes that we can deal with totally romance boisterous how cool am i kind of songs breakup songs really resonate Someone who I think has written one of the best breakup albums in a long while is Casey Musgraves. She put together an album about her divorce titled Star Crossed, mm -hmm. which is such a good little line. And on her song Justified, she refuses to conform to conservative marital expectations as much as she does the Nashville sound. This feels like a new approach to heartbreak than we've encountered so far because of the defiance. There is a confidence here that I feel like has been missing from some of the other heartbreak entries we've explored so far. I think about that line, healing doesn't happen in a straight line. That mm -hmm. is a great lyric. It could also just as easily be like a quote card on an Instagram therapy page. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's kind of like, <laughs> like, I like the fact that she's already on some sort of path toward nursing her wounds. You can hear it in the music and how upbeat it is, but you also hear it uh, approached in the lyricism. Like one of the things that's cool is it kind of switches back and forth between like, you know, you should have treated me right or I should have treated you right. It happens in the, she does one of each chorus. It kind of is the clear eyed view long after a breakup and where you kind of look back and you're like, mm, there's some things I could have done better. There's a lot of things you could have done better as well. And I'm more than just a little justified in it taking some time for me to process all of this. I mean, I don't want to take your job, Nate, but I feel like this is kind of like emblematic of healing heartbreak. Mm, totally. I think you're right, Brittany, because it feels like she knows the therapeutic process. She's saying, it's okay mm. if I cry and then immediately laugh. Like all the emotions are happening at once and that is justified mm. as well. Like the actual process of healing is totally justified. And to Nate, your point, the confidence and control that we hear in Casey is something I love about her music so much, even though she's thought of as sort of a country slash pop crossover there's something about her music which is so minimalist 
and focuses so closely on her voice. I'm more than just a little justified to touch somebody. You know I try to make that you. brave to be able to just drop everything out yeah. more or less mm. and be like here i am let me say my piece i'm going through the healing yeah that's what it is and that guitar it's not even like a, a strummed acoustic guitar it's like a really staccato plucked guitar which makes there even more space for her voice to just kind of sit there Mm-hmm. In the gaping maw that is the aftermath of this failed relationship. And you're just like, wow, she is walking that tightrope with every word. I agree, man. That's really, that's very dramatic and cool. It, it is really dramatic. And it's, it's even more dramatic. I think it, to me, it's made even more dramatic by the fact that like she has a very pretty voice, but it's quite thin. Hmm. Um, there's not a lot of heft to it. So to pull out hmm. all of the instrumentation from underneath or most of it from underneath her voice and not try to swell her voice out to fill the space. It makes what she's saying then like the confessional feel of it even more present. All right. We got heel and heartbreak. Heel and heartbreak. Heel and heartbreak. There it is. So for our final heartbreak track today, we've got to listen to the new release by Adele. Her (laughs) album 30 is an album release like no other in contemporary times. It is getting an absurd amount of coverage, a special with Oprah, a takeover of the Griffith Observatory in Los Angeles. And, you know, with a voice like that, maybe it's deserved. Let's take a listen to her song, Love is a Game. The song starts out in a sort of big, bandy, ballady, classic pop style. All your expectations of my love are impossible. And she picks it up when we get into the chorus. Love is a game for fools to play. Hardened heartbreak is mm. what I'm getting mm. from this one. Mm. It's because good. that chorus, love is a game. I mean, that's not something we've heard from any of these songs before. That in some ways is like the most embittered response I've, I think we've encountered in any of these heartbreak mm. songs. Like love isn't real. Love is a game. Love is self-inflicted pain. It's pretty, it's pretty dark. But there's also this, In this is another one, it's like the lyrics are doing one thing, but maybe the music is doing something else, because even as she's talking about self-inflicted pain, it's like the music is swelling and lifting, and her voice is doing these like gorgeous, melismatic runs. So, I don't know, I'm going to need some help unpacking this, I guess. There seems to be a lot going on here. 
I hear you, Nate. I'm also confused because the way in which the strings quiver as she's singing about her heartbreak and yet they're also ascending, we're getting very contradictory information. Heartache is inevitable, but I'm no good and doing it well, not that I care. I think I think what you said about the tension is so important. The tension between like the instrumentation, how the music sounds and what she's saying and how dark the lyrics are, they hit me differently. I feel like she's singing from a place of knowing, bemused resignation. Mm, right. I feel like what she's saying is like, if I never love again, I'll live. Like, it'll mm. be fine. And mm. maybe I want to go on to do that again. I think like, I got like the sense toward the end of the song, like, Maybe she was ad-libbing. I don't know that like there was a little bit of like a sliver of hopeful optimism, but I felt like she was singing from a place of strength and knowing that love doesn't need to define her as opposed to singing from a place of terror that she uh, might not ever find love again or that the entire thing is just a complete joke that she's going to feel is missing from her life, you know, forevermore. Right. So the biggest lesson I learned That's from, obviously, her live one-night-only performance. Yeah. So good. You don't get showmanship like that too much these yeah. days. And there we go. I love that. I think I think Brittany nailed it. Now, now it's all kind of coming into focus for me. It's like, I know love is a foolish game. I know it'll hurt me. But I also know that I'm going to try again because that's all we can, and any of us can probably do, is to continue to, to search for love. Even if the bass line, which is constantly descending, is bringing us down, all those strings and orchestration are going to bring us back up, and the whole process is worth going through all over again. And of course, she's happily in a relationship again, so mm-hmm. there's the zinger. What do we call it? Well, we called it hardened heartbreak to start, but now I'm questioning <laughs> how how accurate that descriptor is. Hmm. Hardened heartbreak with an asterisk at the end, maybe. <laughs> Yeah, maybe with an wait, did you say heartbreak? No, you said hindsight heartbreak was the very first one. This feels like hindsight heartbreak, like the Redux or something. Director's <laughs> cut, like <laughs> Taylor's version. <laughs> I don't know. It feels like a completion of a cycle. It's so appropriate that this is the one that we talked about last because it really does feel like a completion of the cycle. You've basically completely reset the heartbreak cycle, and you have. You know on some level that you're going to give it another shot, even though you can still feel some of the stinging. Mm. Oh, I love that. Resetting the heartbreak cycle. You know, when I step back and think about all these songs we've listened to and that truism that you mentioned, Charlie, like this is one of the most sung about topics in popular music. And I would say that goes back even much further to like, you know, in ancient Egypt in the 13th century BC, you can literally find papyrus with heartbreak songs on it, you know, Aww. like this is. And yet what this listening exercise makes me realize is that there's also kind of an infinite number of ways to break a heart. And really every every heartbreak song is going to be unique in some way. 
as you put it, Nate, there's infinite ways to break a heart. There are infinite songs about heartbreak, and they can help us be seen in them. The categories we've created are just the absolute beginning, and we definitely want to hear all of your heartbreak favorites. Please send them to us. I want to say thank you to Brittany Luce for joining us to talk about heartbreak. It's been an absolute joy. Seriously. Thank you so much for having me. Social and Pop is produced by Nate Sloan and me, Charlie Harding. We're edited by Julia Myers, engineered by Brandon McFarlane, social media by Abby Barr, illustrations by Iris Gottlieb. Our executive producers are Nashat Kurwa and Hannah Rosen. We're a member of the Vox Media Podcast Network and a production of Vulture. I want to say a big thanks to Brittany Luce. It was so much fun to have her on the show. Check out her show for Colored Nerds. It's just relaunched. You can check it out in our show notes. I also want to say thanks to Dr. Lena Dickin and Taryn Wyron for their support on this episode. You can catch more episodes of Switched On Pop anywhere you get your podcasts at switchedonpop.com. You can find us on social media at Switched On Pop on Twitter and Instagram. And come back next week when we dive into the re-release of the Beatles documentary, Get Back, about the recording of the Let It Be sessions. It's going to be a really fascinating conversation. And until then, thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Johanna Ferreira, content director of Pop Sugar Juntos. Juntos is all about celebrating Latin A culture, pride, our many intersectional identities, and joy. Thanks to support from Prime, there's so much to get into over at Juntos this month. From conversations with the Latin A minds behind our favorite new movies and resurrected TV shows, to thoughtful celebrity commentary, and exclusive interviews with some of the biggest Latin music artists today. And it doesn't stop there. Get more of the music, movies, and shopping you love on Prime. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more of whatever you're into from streaming to shopping. And get all of our latest coverage at PopSugar.com slash Juntos. Con amor, Johanna. Johanna.